Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Do we, the people, have a right to participate in this impeachment process? All day long, we're getting reports out of a... I don't know what we call it, testimony that was taken behind closed doors from a former so-called advisor to the president on Russia. And when you look at this lady's background, you can see that it goes much beyond her time with Trump and her various connections. And she wrote a book in which Joe Biden blurbed her book and various other pieces of information. In a normal process, we would know more about this woman. We would know about her testimony. There would be cross-examination. Right now, all we're being fed is cherry-picked information. This is happening every single day, witness after witness. And the media happily regurgitate what's being fed to them by Adam Schiff and the Democrats in this committee. Just because the media and the Democrat Party have this symbiotic relationship doesn't mean we the people are to be cut out of this process altogether the media used to be relied on to dig up information to check the government now the media just goes after republicans and particularly this president the democrat party is advancing its own political agenda using the impeachment process and the high, and the hijacking of that process in the House of Representatives. We get snarky comments from very foolish and ignorant people on these various cable shows and these columnists who just are scribes, who just regurgitate what's being handed to them. But we lack serious reporters and serious statesmen. And it's really quite remarkable. Now all we're hearing about is Rudy Giuliani and investigations of Rudy Giuliani. Or did John Bolton leak? And people think John Bolton leaked. But what does this have to do with the impeachment process? What does this have to do with what's being done to us, we the people? We're not being served by the institution of the press. We're being propagandized to. We're not being served by the institution of the House of Representatives. It is a rogue operation. And there's an enormous amount at stake here. The presidency of the United States. Now, folks, you are witnesses to history here. 
This has never happened before in American history. This process being applied against a president in this manner, it has never happened before in American history. The conduct of the Speaker of the House and the Intelligence Committee, the lack of a president's counsel being available in these various formats, and then being kept from the American people, this has never happened in American history. A media that is so thoroughly part of a political party without representing itself as such, but nearly a monopoly in in that regard, this has never happened in American history. And we sit here each day, we're fed the information, it's like, what's the big deal? Meanwhile, the Democrats have their debate tonight, and the media, for the most part, well, they want a little bit of fighting between them and that sort of thing to juice up their ratings and so forth. The media are not going to be tough on them, as they would be Republican candidates running for president. They'll throw a few turds in the swimming pool here or there to stir the pot, shake it up, but nothing very serious. We never have a discussion in this country where NBC, ABC, CBS, PBS, NPR, MSNBC, CNN are involved. We never have a serious discussion about the Constitution. Always surface level. They're not offended in any way at CNN or MSNBC about this process. As totalitarian as it is, they're cheering it on. In fact, in many respects, they're leading it. Cable TV, particularly MSNBC and CNN, have failed the American people. You heard Project Veritas yesterday. We played the clips on the air. Well, you know what CNN is up to, and you know what Zucker's up to. That's not journalism. In the back rooms of the New York Times, pushing racism and pushing the Russia collusion narrative, It's not journalism. And so they're all linked to each other. They're all tied to each other. If you do not have a truly free press, you cannot have a republic. If they're bought and paid for by one party effectively, or vice versa, you cannot have a republic. Now we knew this was the case, but when it comes to Trump, it's really crystallized, hasn't it? It's really crystallized. So now they're investigating Giuliani? Giuliani? They have more interest in Giuliani than they do in Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. With softball questions, no real serious follow-up. Look at their interest in Giuliani now. Now they want to know everything there is to know about Giuliani. Look, I, I barely know Rudy Giuliani. I think we met years ago once at a social event. Uh, I haven't spoken to him since. I'm not against him. I'm not a special pleader for him, but I see now he's being set up. So now Giuliani they go after. But there's no intensity, not even any curiosity. Hunter Biden spoke to a, a reporter. Hunter Biden should be under oath. He should be testifying under oath. If Hunter Biden were a Republican and Joe Biden were a Republican, Chuck Schumer would be on the Senate floor today demanding a special counsel. 
And so are the Democrats in the House. Now we the people have to sit here and watch this. Where the Democrat agenda and the Democrat political agenda is shoved in our face and blasted into our ears every single day. And we know the injustice of this. We know the partisanship that's involved in this. So what can we do about it? Well, for one, we should not be opposing new technologies and platforms. We should be supporting them because competition is the way out of this. The more competition there is, the more news platforms, whether they're on the Internet or somewhere else, the better. The better. That's number one. Number two, we should seriously look at our antitrust laws when it comes to the media. I'm not a big antitrust guy. But they are. So if we're going to apply antitrust laws to companies that build toasters and want to combine, we're going to take a very serious look at companies like Comcast, which owns NBC and MSNBC, and companies like AT&T, which owns CNN and so forth, and companies like Amazon, which owns the Washington Post. My point is, even more than antitrust and monopolistic issues... These major multi-billion dollar corporations worth hundreds of billions of dollars, and this is not anti-capitalism, this is pro-free market and free speech. They immunize these newsrooms from the market, from the public, from the citizenry, from the consumer. They protect them. And by owning them, they protect themselves. MSNBC and NBC are never going to do a story about Comcast. CNN is never going to do a story about AT&T. Washington Post isn't going to do a story, not many, about Amazon and Bezos and so forth down the road. When they talk about the Second Amendment on the left, they say, you know, the framers of the Constitution never contemplated semi-automatic weapons. First of all, the framers of the Constitution didn't write the Second Amendment. They did propose it. They sent it to the states for ratification. Those ideas actually came out of the states for most of the, bill, the, the amendments in the Bill of Rights. But that said, the same can be said of the media. The framers of the Const- uh, Constitution never contemplated a Comcast or a news network Or a cable channel, did they? No, they didn't. So why don't we apply the same logic to freedom of the press that they apply to the right to bear bear arms? (coughs) No, I don't say this as somebody who's opposed to freedom of the press. I say this as somebody who is a full-throated supporter of freedom of the press. But that's not what we have today. It's not what we have today. You know, the original concern was these major corporations would be fairly conservative, pro-capitalist, and they'd have an influence on these various newsrooms and media outlets that they would acquire that would move them more to the conservative side. But they're not conservative. They don't believe in these things. They're perfectly happy with big government. 
if big government will put their competition at a disadvantage or out of business or somehow subsidize them. It's called crony capitalism. Well, now we have crony journalism. Crony journalism. Subsidized by crony capitalist corporations. Again, I'm not anti-corporation. I'm not anti-capitalist. Quite the contrary. I'm pro-corporations and I'm pro-capitalism. But what's happening here is they're building these protective bubbles around themselves. So you can have clown after clown after clown on CNN, on MSNBC, one partisan Democrat after another, one partisan leftist after another. And they can fumble over each other, they can make mistakes, they can make fools of themselves, they can make the most anti-Semitic statements, the most outrageous statements about a president, about the people who voted for him, and none of it registers. None of it matters. They're immunized from the public. They're immunized from the market, from the citizenry. This is a huge, huge problem. I'll be right back. You hear me talk about Hillsdale College a lot, about its rigorous classical liberal arts curriculum, about its exceptionally bright and patriotic students. 175 years ago, Hillsdale College was founded with a mission defined by four enduring purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. While many institutions have lost their way, Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. I've also talked about the great Dr. Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College. It's one of the finest Americans I've ever known. And he explains that these four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, remain inseparable in the activity of education at Hillsdale College. He says, learning is difficult and takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. Freedom is essential for learning, but it is fragile and constantly under threat, so its principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. At Hillsdale, faith and learning are integrated toward God because he is the first authority. Folks, if you've ever wondered why I love Hillsdale College, now you know. Visit hillsdale.edu, that's hillsdale.edu, for more information. Hillsdale College. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Remember, that's hillsdale.edu, hillsdale.edu. You know, uh, early on, we had what was called a patriot press in this country. It was a patriot press that promoted the revolution and the principles behind the revolution. No conglomerates, nothing of the sort. Individuals with newspapers, no more than 30, 35 newspapers, pamphleteers, Thomas Paine being one, but not the earliest one, promoting the ideas of liberty and property and representative government and that sort of stuff. All of which is attacked today by the left. And they were absolutely crucial. And what happened early on was the British tried to shut them down. Much like CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post do these stories that try to shut down talk radio or try to shut down the Fox News channel. Because they really have ultimately the same mindset. 
a totalitarian mindset. These various newsrooms do not promote freedom of the press. They promote themselves. They do not promote free speech. They promote themselves. If Antifa were some kind of Republican or conservative operation running around bashing the brains in of leftists, there'd be all kinds of stories and investigations. Who runs it? Who funds it? Who are they? Where's their headquarters? You never hear any of that. If after any event of any of these Democrat candidates, we had the kind of spectacle we saw in Minneapolis a few nights ago, same thing. They'd want to know who's behind it. What did the mayor do? Why, were there, why was there a delegate from the House in, in Minnesota participating? Who's funding them? Violence on the left. You can see the headlines now. But there's none of that. None of it. And the same applies to the impeachment process. If an impeachment process like this had been launched against Barack Obama... Or even Bill Clinton. The press would have gone crazy. About the lack of due process. And they would have brought in their expert Ivy League law professors. To tell us why. And there would be guests all over cable TV. And cited in their newspapers. About how this is an abomination. But none of it today. None of it. There's an effort here to cut the President of the United States out of the process in which he is targeted. That's pretty damn shocking. And right now they are leaking secret testimony that they took today and they take each day to the New York Times or to ABC News or CNN or their favorite outlets. Leaking cherry-picked information. One party controlling the entire process. Now we know for a fact that wasn't the intention of the framers. We know that for a fact. And we know for a fact in the three prior impeachment processes involving presidents, they didn't conduct it this way. So rather than shining a light on what Pelosi's doing in a very fascistic manner, not just here and there, quoting Republicans, but really shining a light and exposing it in a significant way with serious headlines and so forth and serious guests. There's none of that. None of it at all. I'll be right back. Liberty and learning. In a healthy democracy, these two things are mutually supportive. In America today, however, that bond is broken. To help repair the breach, Hillsdale College has launched the Van Andel Graduate School of Government in the nation's capital. And unlike other graduate programs, Hillsdale teaches politics as a human activity oriented toward justice. A series of choices, guided in the best case by right principles, but made in ever-changing circumstances that require prudence to achieve the best attainable results. Hillsdale's curriculum combines the careful reading of primary sources and serious historical inquiry. Students learn how to apply the principles of free government and advance the cause of constitutionalism in the context of ever-changing circumstances. Hillsdale's new Van Andel School of Government is a program unlike any other in Washington, D.C., Hillsdale College. 
pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. He's driving the media mad. Mark Levin, call in with your outrage. 877-381-3811. AT&T owns Warner Media. Remember Times Warner? And they oversee CNN. So it goes AT&T, then their unit Warner Media, and under Warner Media is CNN. So it's protected and cushioned on multiple levels. And AT&T is perfectly happy with this. I heard the top executive AT&T speak in the past, and he said, we're all supportive of CNN. And of course they are. They buy themselves their own protection. CNN will never attack AT&T. Comcast. Comcast owns NBC and its little sister, MSNBC. And so they're protected. You're never going to see Comcast be the subject of any kind of expose by NBC or MSNBC. You're just not. And what's happened is the standards have been lost. Accountability is gone. When you're talking about companies like Comcast, and many of you have Comcast Cable, Xfinity, and many of you have used AT&T in one form or another. Well, they're massive. And so the accountability is lost way down at the newsroom level. And it's of no consequence whether these companies make a lot of money or not. NBC, MSNBC, CNN. I'm not saying they don't. It just doesn't matter to companies that are worth tens of billions of dollars and have more concern and focus on real profit centers. On real profit centers. And so these these enterprises, you know, it's like so much else. You look at these these nonprofit organizations where these very wealthy men and women have passed away and these families, the Rockefellers, the Fords, the Ford Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, other foundations. These individuals were not leftists, they weren't progressive. And yet the money is now used almost exclusively for leftist and progressive causes because the left insinuates themselves, secretes themselves into these entities because they know how to do these things. They devour them. And they manage them to push their agendas. It's the same with these large corporations when you have these newsrooms that are really small entities within these massive corporations. Same thing happens. Don Lemon couldn't get a serious job as a journalist anywhere, except on CNN or MSNBC. Jake Tapper's a has-been. He's washed up. And we can go down the line. Same as applies to these network news programs, too. ABC television is not an independent entity. It's been bounced around, Disney and so forth. I've already talked about NBC. CBS, too. 
CBS is part of a massive conglomerate. Again, accountability is lost. It's gone. And these newsrooms are protected. Pretty much. They're protected. And what's happening in these newsrooms, in addition to so much else that I've written about and unfreedom of the press, is the commingling of opinion and fact. A little over a hundred years ago, or give or take, the progressives decided they wanted new standards for journalism. And the new standards were that you and I, and I've talked about this, are just too busy or too stupid to understand news, objective truth, the gathering of information, and that it needs to be explained to us. It needs to be explained to us by people who are experts and become experts in in doing such things. And this began the progressive era of journalism. What's happened in the last 30 years, and very intensely under the last 10 years, is that the progressive era of journalism, excuse me, has turned into the social activism era of journalism. And this is being taught in our journalism schools now as well. And so social activism is the goal. And that's why you have people with very little experience or substance and not even that bright having major positions in these protected newsrooms. Chuck Todd. 40, 50 years ago, a guy like Chuck Todd could never be a host or an anchor for anything. He's not very bright. He doesn't have the experience, either education-wise or hands-on. And when you watch him on TV, he's basically... An opinion maker. You can see that across the board. The entire lineup over there at CNN and MSNBC. You can see it with Stephanopoulos. Same thing that happens in academia with faculty too. Faculty is involved in the hiring process for future faculty. And faculty likes to choose individuals who have like mind and like colleges and universities. And so you can see where Ivy League schools in particular continue to choose Ivy League people for faculty positions who come out of the same classrooms, in many cases taught by the same tenured leftist professors. The same thing goes on in journalism. A guy like Zucker or the people that run NBC, they're going to hire people who are of like mind who they're familiar with, who they're comfortable with, are going to advance an ideological agenda. So it becomes an incestuous kind of thing. And that's exactly what's happening. That's exactly what's happening. When you hear a guy like Joe Scarborough, Joe Scarborough is a failed member of Congress. He's a failed radio host. And yet he's paid millions of dollars on MSNBC for a program that has very few viewers. This is a fact that has very low ratings. And what is it? He sits there with his wife, formerly his girlfriend, in a circle 
with guests that agree with them and just mouths off like he's in a, a mental institution or an insane asylum. And it's the same damn thing every day. This is what I'm told every day. Trump bad, Trump bad, Trump bad. Trump bad, Trump bad, Trump bad. Russia, Ukraine, Stormy Daniels, mentally ill, Hitler, Stalin, Trump bad. A guy like this who couldn't make it in Congress, who couldn't make it in radio, who couldn't make it on regular TV, he's got a niche. Because there's no accountability whatsoever for him or his wife. It doesn't matter. Give an example. Cut one, go. You know, Willie, what's also interesting is I'm I'm just going to be fascinated over the next couple of weeks to see how deep into stupid uh, some of Trump's talk radio allies want to wade, how Mm. deep into stupid, because you actually have every one of their theories going up in smoke. Remember, it was about hearsay. Poor Lindsey Graham. (laughs) He runs the Senate Judiciary Committee and he would have got an F. And first-year evidence in any law school in America, because he had no, he was like, oh, well, that's hearsay. He, he didn't even understand the concept of hearsay when it's admissible in a court, let alone there. But everybody's saying it was hearsay. No, it's not. We actually, we have people in the room yep. who heard the quid pro quo going on. We've got text messages. All right, let me, uh, let me explain to uh, Justice Brandeis here. When he's talking about hearsay, when he's talking about hearsay, he's talking about the so-called whistleblower who had second-hand information. Not people who were in the room who would have first-hand information, you idiot. You don't even know what hearsay is. And you sit there and snort through that bulbous W.C. Fields massive schnoz of yours. And you have no idea what the hell you're talking about. You're such an idiot. You don't even know what hearsay is. We've got text messages. This is from a former envoy to the Ukraine, Volker. These text messages were put out, cherry-picked, by the Democrats for morons like Morning Joe delivering Scarborough. But notice he never asked for the full transcript. How would that go in your evidence class, first-year evidence class, you idiot? You complete clown. And there he is on MSNBC. And I wonder how deep into stupid some of these Trump radio allies want to wade. Everybody knows what a sleazeball this guy is and what a chameleon he is. Used to have his head so far up Trump's butt. It would come out of his mouth. Now he's attacking Trump. Now he attacks him. The money must be good. Because that's one thing Joe knows. Joe knows how to be a... uh, I won't say whore. That's a bad word, isn't it, Mr. Producer? But he knows how to dance for a few bucks. That much he knows. He's a chameleon. guy like this, it's okay to have an opinion show, but a news show? 
What do the American people get out of a show like that? They get nothing. Nothing. Cut three, go. The question is, when are Republican senators on the Hill, uh, when are Trump apologists on TV and radio and online, when are they going to do the right thing? When are we going to do the right thing, ladies and gentlemen, and turn on Trump and join Joe and Mika and Pelosi and Schiff and Nadler? When are you going to do the right thing, folks? And throw in with the others. When are you going to do the right thing? And agree with Joe Scarborough? How stupid is this? You're not learning anything. You're not informed about anything. There's nothing intelligent. It's not even entertaining. That's why he has no ratings. That's why he's on MSNBC. That's why he's protected by the bubble of Comcast. Go ahead. And demand change. Why are they so scared of Mike Pence? I don't understand why they're so scared. Nobody's scared of Mike Pence, you moron. This has nothing to do with being scared of Mike Pence. He knows this. Do they have happy hour there in the morning on MSLSD, Mr. Producer? Is the marijuana flowing freely? Go ahead. Mike Pence talking. I don't get the fear of Trump. Pence was the conservative. Yeah. Right? So why wouldn't you want the conservative? All right, there, there you go. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. you ask any anchor or journalist at CNN or MSNBC or any reporter at the New York Times or the Washington Post or NBC or ABC or CBS about the explicit details involving Hunter Biden and his father in China, I don't believe they can tell you because they dismiss it. They have no interest in looking at it. I don't think they can tell you what even took place. What they will tell you is there's no evidence of wrongdoing. People looked at it. While they're investigating Rudy Giuliani. Now these news organizations and newsrooms, they can walk and chew gum at the same time. They can look into these things. 
The New York Times did an original story with this, this clown Vogel, which was a pretty good story for him, shockingly. And they did a follow-up which kind of said, you know, six of one, half a dozen the other, and they pretty much have dropped it because it's not a priority, just like it's not a priority with CNN. Is there a single reporter at CNN who's working on the Joe and Hunter Biden issues related to Ukraine and China? No. But they'll tell you there's nothing there. Now, there was nothing in the Russia collusion stuff for two and a half hours. But they're utterly incurious. Because they're pushing a narrative. Like Zucker said, Jeffrey Mother Zucker, the head of CNN, like he said, impeachment. Push the impeachment narrative. That's what he said. That's what they're doing. New York Times is no different. MSNBC is no different with this Phil Griffin. Same thing, Andrew Lack. And by the way, look at this NBC. I mean, people are being molested. People are being raped. These are the allegations. What people are exposing themselves. And the management's still there. I'm telling you, this is how protected these people are. Over at CBS, you had Charlie Rose. Management's still there. Over on the Morning Schmo Show, you had this guy Halpern, who was accused of sexually harassing people. Morning Schmo and his wife, they're still there. Nobody's affected. There's no change. Just go after Trump, that's all. Yes, yes, yes. If we had a real, serious standard for journalism, there is no way two clowns like Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski would be on MSNBC. There's simply no way. Frankly, there's no way that CNN would exist today in its current form, having gone from a news organization to basically an arm of the Democrat Party or vice versa. None of these people would be on the air. None of them, unless it was Comedy Central and they were foils. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting them from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Sam Donaldson was on CNN last night. You'd think he'd have a new toupee. I mean, it's more than obvious. I mean, he plasters it onto his forehead. Uh, But that doesn't matter. And um, he attacks you. He attacks you. Listen to this. Cut four, go. If enough Americans... Because remember, Trump has 30, 31 percent of hardcore. They'll follow him to hell or wherever he's going. They don't care about the facts. They don't know about the facts. Okay, they're fine people, except they're ignorant about these things that we're talking about, and they will not budge from that. See? And this is the attitude. This has been the attitude for many decades, and it's certainly the attitude now. 
It is the progressive mindset. You're too stupid to pick your own health care. You're too stupid to educate your children. (coughs) Excuse me. You're just too stupid to understand how society should be re-engineered. And so these people, by ideology and position, they will do it for you. That's what this is all about. Same with the news. He says, you're fine people except you're ignorant. And these things we're talking about, they, uh, they won't budge on that. So unless you agree with them, unless you join them, you heard the same thing from uh, Deliverance Boy, the morning schmo. Unless you agree with them, unless you turn on your president, unless you turn on your party, unless you join in with the mob, then you're to be denounced and, and you're detested. Now, to show you how unserious this process is, this impeachment process, Kamala Harris has been in the Senate two and a half years, give or take. And she's been running for president for about half of that. So she doesn't know a damn thing. She lies about her record as Attorney General of California. And she's like in fourth place among Democrats in California. And uh, she's talking to the United Food and Commercial Workers Union. Cuts, uh, what is it? Cut five, go. Would you prosecute um, this case for impeachment? So I intend to do it at the ballot box for sure. Um, So here, you're so right to say this, Mark. So here's the thing. Um, I've been calling for the impeachment on everything I know, yes. Is there enough evidence? Based on everything I know, yes. Yes. And here's how I think about it. Because we've got a confession, and it don't take a prosecutor to see that was a confession. (laughs) I mean, we have a confession. We have a cover-up, right? So then they tried to hide the thing in the other computer, right? And then there's a concept called consciousness of guilt, which is, you know, like we know when our kids like, oh, I didn't I didn't eat that thing because, right? <laughs> like, you know, you did the thing you weren't supposed to do. Right. And so it, this in fact, when people say, well, do, how long do you think this impeachment process is going to be? Well, it shouldn't take very long because there's some I mean, he did it out in the open. The hell is she talking about, Rich? I mean, incoherent, obnoxious, truly stupid. I have no idea what she's talking about. Does anybody? Now, Chris Murphy is this guy from Connecticut. He's elected to office since he graduated law school at the age of 25, to the State House, then the State Senate, then U.S. Congress, and then the United States Senate. That's all he knows, partisan Democrat politics. He doesn't know anything else. That's all he's ever been. And yet people keep going to him for information, whether it's gun control or impeachment, and he doesn't know anything. And this is a guy who threatened the Ukrainian government that if they dared to investigate Joe and or Hunter Biden, that right now Ukraine enjoys bipartisan support, and they won't if they go after the Bidens. And this guy, of course, the irony is lost on almost everyone. He should be investigated by the Ethics Committee of the Senate. 
And if the president's to be impeached for what he did, then this guy should be expelled for what he said. But we know it doesn't work that way. But listen to him. Cut six. Go. Well, before we left for break, remember, we haven't been here in Washington for two weeks. Many Republicans said uh, that uh, there wasn't a quid pro quo. It's not just many Republicans, genius. The president of Ukraine said it. The president of the United States said it. The secretary of state said it. The foreign minister of the Ukraine said it. Uh, The telephone transcript underscores the point. There was no quid pro quo, something for something. But let's hear what Mr. Politician has to say. Go ahead. There's no reason to move forward on impeachment. What we've learned in the last two weeks is that there absolutely was a quid pro quo. Likely there was an aid for interference quid pro quo. But what we know for certain now, especially after Fiona Hill's testimony yesterday. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know what Fiona Hill's testimony was yesterday. Neither does he. Other than what's been put out by the Democrats into the press. We don't have Fiona Hill's testimony. It wasn't public, and they haven't issued a transcript. And this doesn't bother the genius politician in the least, because it's a setup. It's been a setup from the beginning with a Joe Biden CIA operative, a Democrat running to Adam Schiff's staff, Hiring a law firm with connections to another legal group that since 2017 has had it out for Trump. It's all a setup. It's all been a setup. And now Senator Chris Murphy is telling us that the information that was put out in this closed door testimony persuades him overwhelmingly, that there was a quid pro quo. He's not interested in the transcript, doesn't want to know anymore. Sounds like that idiot Joe Biden. Or that idiot Joe Scarborough. Go ahead. That there was a quid pro quo in which the White House was telling Zelensky he could not get a meeting with the United States unless he started investigating the Bidens. And there's this extraordinary scene that she describes in which Gordon Sodlin tells the Ukrainians they need to uh, do what Giuliani is asking them if they want a meeting. And then he follows them out. Down See what the I hall. mean? This guy is now excited. He's passionate. He's telling you about testimony he never heard. He's putting a story together, much like Adam shifted a couple of weeks ago when that committee uh, held its hearing with the acting director of uh, national intelligence. Listen to him go on and on and on. He wasn't in the room and he doesn't have a transcript. Go ahead. Tell them that he's specifically talking about the Hunter Biden investigation. There you go. Chris Murphy. There's no need for a process of any kind when you have people like Kamala Harris and Chris Murphy. None whatsoever. These aren't statesmen. They're hacks. I'm just pointing this out. They could be anchors at CNN or MSNBC or reporters like Maggie Haberman or Jeremy, what is his name? I don't remember. Over there at the New York Times or Philly Bump at the Washington Compost. Jamie Raskin is a left-wing kook. He was a left-wing kook before he was a member of the House. And he's now a member from Maryland. And they have a reason, you see, for the tyrannical approach that Pelosi's taking. Cut seven, go. 
Do you need to hear from this whistleblower, and do you think this person will testify or not? Well, first of all, the contemporaneous memo created by the White House officials <clears throat> corroborated everything that the whistleblower was saying. Everything no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It doesn't corroborate everything that's in the so-called whistleblower's complaint. There are not only mistakes in the whistleblower's complaint, but it's very conclusory. It makes allegations, uses newspaper articles. So it does not do that. And if Ms. Jackson had done her homework, she would know that. Go ahead. About the withholding of uh, the, the military aid also confirms what the whistleblower said. And all so of you the don't evidence need to hear we've from heard from other witnesses. I don't think we need it. That's not the role of a whistleblower. I mean, generally, what we try to do is protect whistleblowers. So there you go. See, it's very convenient. He was told to go through the whistleblower process by the committee. He goes through, or she, goes through the whistleblower process. Now they're protected, you see. So an impeachment proceeding. A president's not allowed to confront the accuser. But even more, the American people are not allowed to know about the accuser. Folks, this is attack on you, on your republic, on your vote. We're going to be voting again in another 13 months, and these people are going to try and upset it if we win. These people are not conducting themselves in any rational manner. They're a mob. They're a mob with a media. And so, no, you don't have a a role of a whistleblower. Whistleblower, you know, we try to protect whistleblowers. Now, there's no way this guy should get away with this. Any of these people with these secret... with secret testimony and a secret whistleblower... And the Democrat Party only driving the entire process? If we had serious journalists in this country, they'd be jumping up and down about this. But we don't. I'll be right back. Lovin. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickhouseLevin.com, that's BrickhouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Here we have uh, moments ago from CNBC, House Democrats will not hold a vote authorizing impeachment probe which White House sought. House Democrats will not hold a vote to authorize an impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump as of now, 
which the White House had sought, according to a person familiar with the discussions Tuesday evening. Now look, if you're not going to have a vote as of now, then you don't need to have a vote at all. Because they're doing all the dirty work now, without President's counsel available, without the opposing party being able to call witnesses, without cross-examination, without all those things that are supposed to take place. They're already conducting interviews, pulling together transcripts, and keeping the American people out of the process, and keeping the President of the United States out of the process, and keeping the Republicans out of most of the process. So if they wake up three weeks from now and say, you know what, let's hold a vote on an impeachment inquiry, that is a sham, because it's going on. In fact, it's been going on for a long, long time. It's not an impeachment inquiry, of course. It is whatever they're doing. But they dress it up as an impeachment inquiry. And if near the end they're going to have a vote in order to put a label on it and say, see that? The House voted for an impeachment inquiry. And then try to pull in everything they've already done under that nomenclature. That won't get past us. The decision to hold off on a formal vote comes amid growing pressure from Republican lawmakers and White House officials who've criticized House Democrats' efforts as an illegitimate attempt to undermine Trump's presidency. But many members of Pelosi's caucus want to avoid the perception that the White House is dictating how the House, as part of a separate and equal branch of government, conducts itself, the person told CNBC. So that's the spin. You see, the Democrats are protecting separation of powers by destroying separation of powers. Pelosi has dismissed the calls for a vote as a Republican talking point and said in an interview earlier this month that we certainly, we're certainly not going to do it because of the president. But you're supposed to do it because of the president. We have rules of evidence in courts for the parties. We have procedures and practices that have been placed when it comes to presidents and, and formal inquiries into impeachment. She's burning it all down. Pelosi was set to hold a press conference at the Capitol at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time just before the Democratic presidential candidates were set to take the stage. But she didn't have that, did she, Mr. Producer? There was no press conference. That's the big report. We're not ready to do it now. Maybe in the future when it serves our purposes. And the media will dutifully report what she does rather than question her and her tactics because that's where we are in this country today that's where we are let's go to Greg Baltimore, Maryland, XM Satellite how are you? I'm doing good, only waited 20 some odd years to get through to you but that's okay thank you sir, well I've only been on the air 16 So, you know, those five hours were pointless. Five years before were pointless. Anyway, go right ahead, Greg. Well, anyway, um, you know, I'm obviously kind of what the media is doing and so forth. And uh, obviously they're um, trying to do what they can to uh, silence us and so forth. And I thought, you know, based off of your uh, intro and other things like that, I thought, you know, what happens when Donald Trump wins 2020, along with we finally get the House back and the, and the Senate? Be, be quick, and, sir. We're having a problem hearing you, and I don't want to lose half the audience here. No, no, I got you. So, anyway, 
what happens in 2020 where when the uh, hopefully when the uh, presidency, the, the, uh, the House of Representatives, and the Senate, and at that point, you know, after seeing all the what stuff, what is your question, sir? Quickly. All right. The uh, media, along with like, for instance, just pure one example. ABC News. All right, thanks for your call. Uh, folks, I know it's very, very hard to hear, and that's why I wanted him to get to his question, but he didn't want to get to his question. Greg, I'm sorry, buddy, but the connection is awful, and you needed to get your question out, and apparently that wasn't possible. John, Brandon, Mississippi, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? I'm fine, Mr. Levin. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. I just wanted wanted your comments on the little theory on my part, which is think the progressives trace their intellectual lineage to Rousseau and uh, Marx. <clears throat> Rousseau had the general will, and this relates to Sam Donaldson's comment earlier. An average man's not going to understand the general will, and I believe it was the legislature that was supposed to enact laws and structure society for his good. And with Marx, the intelligentsia is the class that's going to save the proletariat by virtue of its knowledge of the laws of history. And I think that animates a lot of the progressives' thinking, and uh, they've been taught that kind of stuff. That's been the intellectual I'm with your point on Rousseau and probably Hegel, too. Uh, And um, I think, Rousseau, you're right on, which is basically... uh, First of all, the individual is not capable of making decisions for the individual, and the individual can't be fully realized unless they're part of the state, part of the state ethos. And you're quite right. And Sam Donaldson is too stupid to understand that he's a Rousseauian, and you, who are supposed to be too stupid, are smart as hell, and know a hell of a lot more than Sam Donaldson, don't you, John? Well, thank you for saying that. I find it ironic I was thinking just not that I was smarter than him, but it's ironic that he can't see beyond the kind of paradigm he's in. No, he can't. He's stuck. He's stuck with that toupee, too, apparently. Thanks, John. We'll be right back. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. An unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. Apparently Nancy Pelosi did have a press conference. Apparently it wasn't much. 
We'll see if we can find anything on it. Forget, uh, forget about that. We'll, we'll try and dig it up. You know, cyber thieves are stealing American homes. Are you aware of this? Cyber thieves are stealing American homes. And guess where your home's legal title and mortgage documents are kept? Online, wide open, for cyber thieves. Your signature and everything thieves need to take over ownership of your home is easily available online. Thieves forge your name off your title, then refile the deed so it appears like you sold it. Then they go to unscrupulous lenders and borrow money using your home's equity. Then they disappear and stick you with the payments. It happens so fast you won't even know it took place until it's too late. Banks, insurance, and identity theft programs do not protect you. Home Title Lock does. Home Title Lock puts a virtual firewall around your home's title and mortgage. And they monitor the black market to see if your home is for sale. Your home's equity is your retirement. It's your emergency fund. It may be the biggest asset you have. Let me help you protect it with 60 risk-free days of Home Title Lock. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, enter your address to see if you're already a victim. And if you're not, enter it so you get the 60 risk-free days of Home Title Lock so they can monitor. Defend yourself at HomeTitleLock.com, HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. All right. Let's see here. Let us go to Joe, Astoria, New York, the great WABC. Go. Hi, good evening, Mark. It's uh, honor, as always, to talk to you and uh, extra treat. Today's my 40th, so it's great Happy to be birthday, able to talk buddy. to a great patriot like you. Um, you. Mark, I got two questions for you. Um, I wanted to piggyback on what you were saying at the beginning of the show, how the left, they, they always make that point about, you know, the framers never envisioned with the Second Amendment and how, you know, you compared it with uh, how all these entities are all... Yeah, that the framers never envisioned these massive conglomerates owning newsrooms either. And I notice they don't have any problem with that. You'll have have to bear with me more because I don't understand what you understand. Uh, My question to you is, how do do we change those standards? Is there anything that could be done? Is there any way you could change standards or... Make no, the only or... thing worse than that is for the government to step in and start making decisions. Can you imagine yes. if uh, Elizabeth Warren is president of the United States or Kamala Harris or Cory Booker, what they're capable of? Right. No, I, I understand that. And, and being a conservative, I'm, I'm, I'm never one for more government. And again, I actually had that vision as I was asking you about that, like like imagine a Joe Biden or, or one of these you know clowns that are running now. Imagine them having the control. What, what what could we do? What, like, well, things are being done. What's happening is there there are alternative sources of media information and news information. More today than there were yesterday. More yesterday than there were twenty, thirty, forty years ago. The problem is a lot of these, like cable, was a competition with network. Uh, uh, they've been uh, they've been devoured by the same movement that devours the rest of it. So, what you're seeing more and more of, you know, twenty years ago. There wasn't these various digital formats, whether it's Blaze or, or Breitbart or the Daily Wire or the Daily Caller or the Right Scoop and on and on down the list. There's a lot of them, and a lot of them are quite good. Um, so that's good. And I think the Internet, I think radio, I also think podcasting is a big part of the future. All these alternative forms of information and communication 
I suspect 10 years from now, many of these cable companies won't even exist. And they charge a hell of a lot of money. You know, to have cable costs a lot of money. There's a, there's a reason why uh, more and more people are getting rid of their cable subscriptions. I'm just being honest. No, no, I, I know. You know what? I've been meaning to subscribe to, to the Levin TV because um, I, I want to hear, like, more progressives. Is All you get is this NBC and this, this clown show, uh, CNN, you know. They, well, you don't have to, but we are an alternative, and we have poured a lot of sweat and tears and an enormous amount of resources into this project. And uh, it, 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 it just people who want to participate in it, they subscribe to it. And uh, you'll hear me, and you'll hear a whole lot of other people uh, who are conservative, who, who don't necessarily agree on everything, and certainly have a different approach to uh, to the news and entertainment. But it's it is a a really thoughtful alternative to banging your head against the wall. Well, can I ask you something about uh, Men in Black before I go? It's it's something my I think first you book. Know yes, too. Mark, I I read um, On Freedom of the Press twice. I just finished Liberty and Tyranny. And I live on Long Island, um, and I can't find this book anywhere. Yeah, you got to go. You got to go to Amazon to get it. <laughs> you know, uh, because yeah. uh, the bookstores don't have. Well, in, in well, their well, you defense, know what? They give you a hard time. Quite frankly, they give you a hard time when when, when you go when you go into certain bookstores. Well, but but they should I... be able to order it. In their defense, the book is it came out in two thousand. So the book's fourteen years old. So, yeah, but right. but they should be able to order it. And and that's what it is. I can't I can't find it anywhere, and that's the one that I I've, I've been wanting to read next. Every time I look for it. Do we have one, Mr. Producer? I'll tell you what. Uh, then I'm going to have to send you two, Rich. We're going to take your, but I can't keep giving. I only have a few left in my own little stack here. Uh, hold on, Joe. We'll get your copy. Uh, don't hang up. But you can go to Amazon.com. They're in print. Uh, all my books are in print. There are more of some than there are others, obviously. Uh, but Men in Black was the first one. And I believe it was the first book about the Supreme Court that sold a quarter of a million copies. So people were shocked by that. I'm not shocked at all because of you folks. You want the information. You want to be able to debate. You want to be able to think things through. That's my audience, the smartest audience of all audience. That's you. Thank you. Rich, Antioch, California, the great KSFO. Go. Mark. How's it yeah. going? Yeah. I've been a yeah. five year five year listener. I appreciate all the information that you give out to us. It's thank you. It's awesome. My question to you is a, a guy at work was telling me that if they take the impeachment, if it passes in the House and goes to the Senate and the Senate doesn't pass it, that it could negate his first term and he can do two more. Is this true or and is this in the process? If what? No, 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 no. They can't do that. So in other words, if he's removed from office, he can do two more terms. A president can serve a maximum of 10 years. So I guess the theory could be uh, that he could run for office and uh, win election that way. That would be four more years. And then he can run again and serve a certain number of years, but he couldn't serve a full term beyond that. So the Constitution provides for 10 years. You know, you're, it's, and, and that's, for example, if somebody is, uh, if you're the president and the vice president and something happens to the president, and the vice president moves into the presidency and serves for a year, a year and a half, two years, uh, he or she is free to run 
They win the first time. That's four years. They can run a second time. That's another four years. But I, I don't think that would apply in this case. That would only be applicable, applicable to the vice president then. Well, I mean, if you technically remove a president, he's been there two and a half years, <clears throat> he could run again. Nothing stops him from running again. And if he won, he serves out that term. And then if he chooses to run again, he can run. If the people elect him, then he can't serve out a full term. I would argue he can't do that. I would argue no, nobody can run for president unless they are able to serve out a full term. So I would say no. Okay. Perfect. You answered my question. Yeah, I would say no. Now, there's all kinds of fanciful ideas going on there. We just need to keep pressure on the Senate to make sure that whatever Pelosi, uh, you know, uh, burps up, um, that the Senate does its job and protects us from a rogue House of Representatives. They need to wake the hell up. Amen. All right, Rich. Thank you, buddy. Jason, good calls. New Haven, Connecticut, the Mark Levin app. Go. Hey, Mark. I uh, just want to say I really appreciate your your sarcasm and uh, your intelligence. It's one of the few places you can go to actually get into the nuance. Well, um, don't go to the morning quick. schmo. Uh, all you'll get there is ranting and raving from a uh, moron. Anyway, go right ahead. Well, well you know, uh, listening to your earlier segments um, with some of the other, uh, you know, Sam Donaldson and those other people, um, you, can, you can just sort of hear, you can hear, uh, sort of feel the propaganda that they're trying to to instill in you. And as I was asking the call screener earlier, whether it's the ballot box, the courts, regulation, the you know, all these other different facets, the media, pop culture, uh, the conservative movement doesn't seem to be equipped to push back against this. And my concern is is that Trump will die the death of a thousand cuts between now and the election because the, cons- the conservatives don't really seem to be particularly interested in having his back. And then um, it just seems to me that, that there isn't any means to really combat these people, nor any interest level to, to really take it to them. I think there's an interest level. I just don't think people know how to do it. I mean, what are you going to do about a CNN and an MSNBC and so forth? Um, uh, as I say, over time, I think they're going to undo themselves. I think they've already begun that process. Uh, and... There will be alternatives. That's what technology and capitalism is all about, and that's what's developing. Cable was once an alternative. Now cable's the problem in many respects. Uh, that said, if, you're, if your argument is that too many conservatives don't understand the nature of the threat, I would agree with you. For instance, these never-Trumpers, they're so busy trashing the president of the United States that they're giving aid and comfort to these, uh, to these rogues in journalism and to what's taking place in this country. And they don't much mind, because they're so obsessed, uh, and they're so uh, uh, laser-focused on the undoing of this president, proving themselves right two, three, four years ago, that they are contributing to the problem, as far as I'm concerned. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, it's, it's like uh, academia. You know, if you look at it in a snapshot right now, and you say, what are conservatives supposed to do? These battles are battles for half a century. These are or a century or more. These things, you know, these things didn't happen overnight. So has there ever been a, a time in history for the Republican Party where they were maybe more, I guess, progressive in getting their message out or, or trying to have some sort of cultural shift? Like, you what, mean more you know, successful? Like, uh, well, you know, like, like Hillsdale College. I mean, well, I would like, say you know, Reagan was very, very successful. 
Okay. I mean, think about what Reagan did. Reagan won two massive landslides. And the one landslide he won, he won every single state but Minnesota, and he lost it by about 22, 2,300 votes. So if about 1,500 votes had switched the other way, he would have won every single state in the union. He won almost 60% of the popular vote. And his message got out there. He was an enormously successful and enormously popular president of the United States. So last, it, it can be done. My last but, question is... But, but hold on now. But the media are even worse than they were 35, 40 years ago. So it could be harder. And the demographics in the country are changing very, very fast with open borders, with a lack of assimilation and that sort of thing. So this is all working against... Uh, republicanism. I don't mean party republicanism. I mean a republic. Go ahead. Now, I mean, if you buy into the premise that the average everyday human being, regardless of where they come from, wants to be free, earn a living, you know, kind of go about their affairs. Uh, I mean, I would, I would think innately that makes almost any human being a, a conservative by nature if led down that path. Why is it? Why is it that people seem to be so susceptible? to this other side of the political spectrum. Because peop, most, a lot of people who have freedom uh, take it for granted. And so they think they can have freedom and socialism, or freedom and Marxism, freedom and big government. And there's a period of time where you can have both. But eventually, the latter devours the former. And so you have these periods of time where people feel that they're free, and the government gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And uh, little steps by little steps, uh, the circle of liberty around the individual gets tighter and tighter and tighter until you go, wait a minute, I got a little problem here. And so a lot of people think freedom is, uh, is a permanent state, and it's not a permanent state. As Reagan said and many others have said, it's something you better be very resolute in protecting. I think the one thing... We, could, we can't figure out, I don't think we'll ever figure out as, as human beings is the extent to which tyrants are able to use liberty against liberty. That is, they're able to use a free system in order to seize power. And how do you prevent that? It's very, very difficult. And I appreciate your very thoughtful questions, Jason. We'll be right back. in. You wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. (laughs) 
Here's Juliana from Austin, Texas, raving about her amazing transformation thanks to Genesel. She said, I cannot get over how much and how quickly Genesel has helped me. The jawline cream has made my jaw and neck two separate body parts for the first time in a decade. My bags and puffiness are gone. It really is the skin's foundation of youth. Thank you, Genesel, for making me look and feel young again. You know, folks, now it's your turn to see results. Guaranteed and, best of all, risk-free. Chaminet is clearing out their inventory before the holiday season. Order Genesel jawline treatment with MDL technology packed with natural peptides to target that annoying turkey neck and get the classic Genesel for bags and puffiness absolutely free. Free. And for results in 12 hours, the Genesel immediate effects is also free. So this is a once-a-year offer. It's backed by their 60-day, 100% money-back guarantee. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. Order now for a surprise luxury gift with your order at 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. All right. Flavio, Hialeah, Florida. Mark Levin app. Go. Levin, how you doing? Long time listener. Very I well, thank you. A, I want to ask you a question. Do you believe that the Democrats are not holding a vote because they don't have concrete evidence on Trump? And do you believe that they these secret hearings are not going the way they want it to go? No, I think these secret hearings are going the way they want them to go. Not because the people in there are testifying the way they want to, but they can basically twist and turn whatever these people are saying for a report that they're going to write, issue it to the media. Remember, they're trying to build up public support for impeachment. That's number one. Number two, I think they do have the votes to move forward with a formal impeachment inquiry, but they don't want to give the president and the Republicans an opportunity to actually uh, deal with the issues, the witnesses, and uh, so forth that are raised. And so it's an attempt to uh, obstruct the ability of the president to confront what's taking place and the Republicans to do what Republicans are supposed to do in this process. Uh, people say they're protecting a handful of moderates. I don't think that's that at all. They can live without those moderates. What they also might do, probably will, is near the end of their little escapades here, their Soviet-style investigation, then they'll all of a sudden have a vote on an impeachment uh, inquiry on the floor of the House and rush it through. They may not, but that way they can at least put the label on it, say they had the vote, after they've already violated all kinds of uh, historically uh, uh, available tools for a president and the, and the minority party to conduct themselves. So it's all very diabolical. Uh, you really have to have kind of a sick mind to do what they're doing. And, uh, and so uh, they plow ahead. All right, my friend, I appreciate your call. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Communist China. 70 years of revolution. 70 years of mass slaughter and genocide. Slaughtering their own people, I might add. Tens of millions of them. Can you imagine? Tens of millions of people for an ideology. And they still haven't gotten it right. And they never will. And these NBA players, the National Basketball Association, they've had very tough time dealing with this. The people in Hong Kong are seeking their freedom. I want to congratulate 60 Minutes. They had a very good uh, segment on this. I believe it was Sunday. And what those young people are putting up with. I mean, they are really now being beaten and harmed in many ways. And of course, Xi, the fascist pig that he is, he says he's going to crush them in their bones. And people have gotten too used to doing business with China. I want you to think about this. I've been talking about it. I'm trying to figure out the best way I can to articulate this, and I'm not sure I've been very good at it. When you look back in various points of history, American history or world history, and the rise of tyrants and the rise of regimes that are genocidal. And we, we, you know, we respect and we, and we revere the heroes. But do we really understand how incredible these heroes are going against the tide, going against their own self-interest, going against their own safety, maybe even facing death? The great heroes who hid Jews during the Third Reich, including so many righteous Gentiles, putting their lives on the line. And you know some of them, like Schindler and others. There were the people who fought slavery in the South. I'm not talking about in the North, in the South. The Underground Railroad. Truly, great heroes. Great heroes. And the people who stand up to communist China, Xi, as they stood up against Mao, the slaughter of up to 10,000 students on Tiananmen Square not that long ago. And now the people in Hong Kong facing dire circumstances. They want their freedom. They were promised their freedom when Hong Kong was effectively released by the British Empire to the Chinese. And the Chinese, Xi, have lied to them as they lied to the British. So when we look back in American history, world history, And we're so easy to pass judgment. 
maybe you can see how wonderful these and unbelievable these heroes really are. When you listen to people like LeBron James and other liberals go on and on about social activism when it costs them nothing. Personally, financially, certainly their lives aren't on the line. And in fact, the opposite is true. They are celebrated. They are celebrated. It means nothing. You're going to sit down with the NFL, Kaepernick and others, not Kaepernick, but others. They're going to sit down and work out a social activism, social justice agenda that the NFL is going to fund. And so, what do you think that is? It's a joke. When people are putting their necks on the line, their lives on the line, when they're being beaten, they've arrested over a thousand of these students, these young people. And you know they're going to ship them off to China. They're being gassed. Some of them are being shot. Is it really that hard to speak up in their defense? LeBron James has... can lose some millions of dollars, no question about that. He's got a movie coming out. I'm sure he wants it to to air in China. It's a very big market over there. But all of a sudden, the social activists aren't so social anymore, and they're not so activist anymore. And they don't have to put their necks on the line. This is why LeBron James has done irreversible damage to himself. As have others. Stephen Kerr, Steve Kerr. They've done irreversible damage to themselves because they come off and are, in fact, frauds. They're frauds. It's easy to attack Trump in the sports world. It's easy to attack America in the sports world. There's no consequence. But it's not so easy to stand up to truly diabolical regimes particularly when you're making money from them, which is bad enough. So it's in this context I want you to listen to what LeBron James said last night. Cut 11, go. We all um, sit back and learn from the situation that happened, uh, understand that what you could tweet or could say, um, and we we, we all talk about this freedom of speech. Yes, we all do have freedom of speech. But at times, there are ramifications for the negative that can happen um, when you're not thinking about others and only, or you're only thinking about yourself. So um, I don't believe, um, I don't want to get into a, a, word, a, a word or sentence uh, feud with Daryl, um, with Daryl uh, Moray, but I believe he wasn't educated on, on, on the situation at hand. And, um, and he spoke. And the, the, so many people uh, could have been harmed. Um, not only financially, but physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, so just be careful what we, what we tweet and we say and what we do, even though, yes, we do have freedom of speech, but there can be um, a lot of negative that comes with that, too. This is so outrageous. So outrageous. And the sanctimony with which he says it. Daryl Morey got nothing personally out of his tweet. And nothing was wrong with his tweet. 
standing with the people of Hong Kong. In fact, everything was right with it. And when, so, when, when LeBron James says he wasn't educated on the situation at hand and he spoke, that is an outrageous smear of Mr. Moray. It is a disgusting smear of Mr. Moray. And a put-down. And so many people could have been harmed, not only financially, but physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. He means financially only. So be careful what we tweet, what we say, and what we do, even though, yes, we do have freedom of speech, but it can be a lot that comes with that, too. These are the words of a gutless fraud. Of a gutless fraud. I don't remember being concerned about financially physically, emotionally, spiritually, when Kaepernick was taking a knee. Do you? Or when he's trashing Trump, when they talk about not going to the White House, they don't seem to be worried about anyone's emotions or spirituality or financial situation. It looks like LeBron James has sided with a communist Chinese regime that is brutal, which enslaves people, which rapes people, which tortures people, and not just a few, millions. Millions of people. And in some ways, LeBron James, and he's not alone, but he's the most famous. In some ways, he's the Tokyo Rose of Red China, giving aid and comfort to that enemy as he spews propaganda in their defense. No, LeBron James, you owe a huge apology, and I don't give a damn if you give it or not, to the people of Hong Kong. And you should really understand what freedom of speech is all about. Freedom of speech is all about when it's tough. When it's really tough that you are free to speak. And what you're doing is a disgrace. I'll be right back. You know, in my view, and I don't speak for my guests, there's only a handful of real journalists left. And one of them is Brett Baer who I uh, really enjoy watching when I'm not on the air and during my breaks, I guess, uh, when I can. Brett Baer, how are you, sir? Hey, Mark, how are you? It's a pleasure. Very, very well. Um, You have a brand-new book coming out. You've got a series here. Um, It's called Three Days at the Brink, FDR's Daring Gamble to Win World War II. Now, you know, I'm a history buff, too, so I love your books. What three days are you talking about? So the three days are the Tehran conference between FDR, Churchill, and Stalin. It's the first time that FDR meets Stalin face-to-face, and it's at this crucial part of the war where, frankly, the Allies could have lost World War II. Uh, These three leaders, the big three, get together in Tehran, Iran, in a secret conference, 
where they essentially plan D-Day, Operation Overlord. And the push and pull, the dramatic interchange between these three leaders during those three days, uh, I kind of used to, to show how dangerous that time was, but then bounce back and show how FDR gets to that point. So it, it's the prelude to my other books, which is the first one was three days in January about Dwight Eisenhower's final three days and his farewell address before Kennedy's inaugurated in the middle of the Cold War. And then three days in Moscow about Ronald Reagan's final summit with Mikhail Gorbachev, the end of the Cold War. And this is the prelude that is essentially the beginning of the Cold War, because Stalin, what he gets out of all of this from that conference and then Yalta, uh, ends up producing a devastating consequences for Eastern Europe and also starts a Cold War with the U.S., now, as I read your book, it's an outstanding book. You actually, to the extent you can, look at first-hand documents. Tell the audience how you go about doing your research. So it's a lot of time in the libraries. I have a great researcher, Sidney Soderberg, who I first found at the uh, Eisenhower Library in Abilene, Kansas, when I started that process. And we found oral histories, diaries. We went to London to the Churchill uh, library. Uh, we went all over. We talked to Russian experts and pieced together all of these oral histories and uh, documents from the conference themselves to, as best we can, paint the picture of what was happening each one of those three days. And it's really dramatic, uh, some of the moments and the extent that FDR tries to, tries to court Stalin, even though Churchill is really opposed to that effort. Do, uh, what was FDR's view of Stalin at this meeting? You know, he's, he's meeting him for the first time. He's obviously, he knows he's not one of the good guys. He, he's a cruel uh, authoritarian dictator. He's killed millions of his own people. But FDR, in his writings and what he talks about, feels he has to kind of swallow his, his disdain uh, because he needs Stalin to win the war. Ideally, FDR wants to get the Soviet Union involved in the Pacific against Japan, uh, but he knows that Stalin wants a cross-channel invasion, which ends up being D-Day, uh, and he goes out of his way to try to make Stalin feel comfortable, not that FDR and Churchill are uh, ganging up on him, but that he establishes his own relationship with the Soviet dictator. It's pretty amazing the extent he goes. He really kind of makes Churchill upset numerous times in this conference, uh, but FDR believed that he could get that relationship back on track easily. And D-Day comes out of the, What else comes out of this three-day meeting? What else comes out of it is the beginning of a post-war thought process. And during this meeting, uh, FDR comes up with the United Nations idea on the back of a napkin. Um, actually, he comes up with the idea, he rolls himself into uh, Churchill's room and he says, yeah, Winston, I've got it. The United Nations, we'll call it the United Nations. And Churchill walks out of the shower, buck naked, and uh, says, that's a good idea. And the British Prime Minister has nothing, there's nothing I can't show the leader of the free world. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's moments like that and dialogue that uh, goes back to some of these, uh, these oral histories from both FDR and Churchill. 
In terms of Yalta, in terms of uh, really Stalin grabbing half of Europe, do you think that had in part to do with the fact that FDR was quite ill? Was he naive about Stalin? Were they war-weary? Because Churchill knew exactly what Stalin was up to. He knew exactly what it was, and, and his worst nightmares came to pass. Obviously, they won the war, but they lost the peace. FDR, I think, just from my research and, and talking to uh, experts in this, this time, I think believed that he personally could corral Stalin, despite the fact that he had agreed to a lot of things at both Tehran and Yalta, that he personally could do it. He had that kind of self-arrogance or confidence, I guess you could say, um, but he died. He was really ill at Yalta, goes back to uh, Warm Springs in Georgia, and he dies shortly thereafter. And uh, because of that, Truman does not pick up the ball. He wasn't briefed on any of it, and Stalin takes advantage of that moment. And Poland really uh, is the, the biggest detriment. Mm-hmm. Suffers. Uh, Poland gets it both ways. Yeah. Now, let me, let me ask you this. So... The after Yalta and after uh, uh, Stalin takes over really big chunks of Europe, or he won't leave big chunks of Europe. What is the mindset then of uh, of how FDR handled this? In other words, I, the history I read about this is um, there really wasn't anything he could do. That America wasn't really wanting to stay. You know, Patton famously said, "Let's uh, before he died, uh, we're here already, let's fight the Russians. Uh, when we come back from the break, I want to pursue this a little bit further with you. Is that all right, Brett? You bet. All right. The book is Three Days at the Brink by our friend Brett Baer. You can get it now at Amazon.com. It's on my social sites, folks. It comes out next week. It's a perfect time to grab a copy. We'll be right back. The champion of liberty and true conservatism. Call Mark now. 877-381-3811. Three days at the brink. FDR's daring gamble to win World War II by Brett Baer. Brett Baer, how is FDR viewed after Yalta, the events at Yalta? I think mostly it's viewed as a disaster. Yeah, I mean, that conference, looking back, he gave away the store. And Churchill essentially says it in his diaries. He, he talks about it. Uh, but FDR believed that that was necessary to keep uh, the Soviet Union on board, number one. Number two, uh, to, to envision this post-World War, post-war uh, United Nations. You know, he had this, this ability an optimism, self-confidence, but he also had a bit of a a God complex, that he alone was the one that could could lead America through tough times. And, and, you know, he's the only president elected four times, uh, and he believed that he could corral Stalin, even though everyone around him could see that his health was failing and that he, you know, was really, really ill at Yalta. By the time he gets back to the United States... He dies soon thereafter, April 12th, and because of what was given up at Yalta, Stalin feels empowered, 
and that begins a really devastating time uh, led by the Soviet Union. You have a chapter on Franklin and Winston. How did they get along? They got along really well, except for this this conference in Tehran. Um, you know, Winston Churchill always said that he was always felt felt like a jilted mistress when dealing with FDR, especially when it came to FDR and Stalin. Um, but prior to that, they had established this really warm rapport. Uh, they had met face to face. They wrote letters to each other back and forth. Churchill was obviously trying to get FDR into the war much, much sooner. Pearl Harbor changed everything, and the U.S. would obviously get into the war soon thereafter. Uh, But they had this warm relationship. Uh, This Tehran conference, uh, Churchill was was jilted, though. And um, earlier in the book, you talk about Franklin Roosevelt kind of looking over his shoulder at cousin Teddy Roosevelt. What's that all about? Well, yeah, he grew up in as an aristocrat in Hyde Park, New York. Both his parents came from wealth. Uh, as the distant cousin of Theodore Roosevelt, he marries uh, the cousin of uh, he marries Eleanor Roosevelt, and it is a a situation where he is aspiring to be Teddy Roosevelt, who then be, becomes president. And uh, FDR uh, really was not that great of a politician. He was kind of average and didn't really relate. It wasn't until he's 39 and he's stricken with polio uh, that he goes through that that effort to get back uh, his strength. And he fights and puts braces on his legs to try to walk again, which he never would do. Uh, but it is that moment that most historians, Doris Kearns, Goodwin, and others who look back say that really made him a different person and it made him relatable to Americans who obviously were going through their own hard times in the Great Depression. You know, I know you don't get into this in in your book. I get into it in mine, but he had a very um, love-hate relationship with the press. He did. And he was very brutal. He was. And he turned the IRS on a number of press outlets where he disagreed with the publishers, Annenberg, Gannett, um, and he used the IRS against them. And I, I look read at that it in your book, and I saw yeah. it in in some of the research that we did. And um, and you look at that, and that that was an early day of a president and the press, where it was much different than it is today. Well, that's what that's what amazes me. Um, this was a man who had uh, who who had centralized an enormous amount of power. And uh, he, he definitely used it against the media, even with the FCC and radio broadcasts. Uh, he puts his uh, communications director and his campaign in charge of the FCC. And they reduce the licensing period from two years to six months. And they make it abundantly clear that these radio stations better toe the line. I, I'm just trying, do you think he got away with more of it back then because of his, his politics, his party, because eventually the war, or all those things? Yeah. All of those things, I think. You know, think think about, uh, you know, he assumes this power and really consolidates power in, in all of the programs and the New Deal. Uh, he starts off, um, you know, communicating in his own uh, version of Twitter, I think, the fireside chats over the radio. He gets a lot of popular support. Again, he's the only president to be elected four times. 
but in that gets to a point where he thinks he can do anything. He tries to stack the Supreme Court uh, mm-hmm. to increase the number of justices, and that falls flat in Congress. His party turns away from him. And that was the first kind of check, uh, because it had been unchecked for a long time, his growing power. <coughs> Excuse me. So what kind of world did FDR leave behind? That's one of your chapters. It is. And he left behind a world that was trying to pick up the pieces from the war. As I say, he, the three days that I talk about in Tehran, the war could have gone the other way. It could have... We could have lost. The Allies were teetering in the Mediterranean, had some wins in the Pacific. The Soviets had taken it on the chin, hundreds of thousands dead. Um, So he wins the war, but the peace he left. And as I mentioned before, Truman was never in his inner circle, so he never even knew about the atomic bomb. Isn't that a, a, a huge failure? You know you're ill and you don't bring your vice president into the process. I mean, that's where the egotism, the God complex, the I can fix it all really uh, was evident. Truman essentially assumes the presidency, not knowing a lot of things and not knowing how FDR planned on dealing with Stalin and his broken promises. He apparently didn't even know about the atomic bomb. He didn't Uh, know that at all. He wasn't briefed on the Manhattan Project. That's your VP. You know, this is a fascinating book. I, I want to thank you for writing these books. I hope you'll keep at it. I know, I know how much time is involved in writing a book. You're doing very, very excellent scholarship here. And I think we need to keep this up to get books like this to as many people as we can to understand American history. Why, what, yeah. what drives you? You know, here's one of the things that drives me. I, first of all, I, when I did the first book, the Eisenhower book, I fell in love with the process. You're right, it is not, it's not easy, and it takes a lot of caffeine and late nights uh, with the current job. But it's something that is a passion of mine, and I found and learned a ton through this process. But the biggest thing was I made sure that the publisher, William Morrow, at the same time this book comes out, in the regular version, a young reader's edition, for young people. So my 12-year-old and 10-year-old can read the same book in their version. A young reader's edition comes out the same day. So um, I think history is getting lost. And I I really think that uh, we need to figure out new ways to make it exciting to read about, to learn about, because we have to learn from history. It happens too many times that we do the same things in America. Well, I think you've definitely succeeded. I want to strongly encourage you folks, go to Amazon right now while you can. Three days at the brink, FDR's daring gamble to win World War II by Brett Baer. And, you know, we don't learn a lot about these different battles and these different events in World War II in college, and we certainly don't in high school. And you got to self-learn self-educate when it comes to this stuff, and you're giving us a big hand in doing that, Brett. I want to thank you for coming on. Thanks for the time, Mark. I really appreciate it. All right. Take care. He's a really good guy, isn't he? One of the few in journalism, as far as I'm concerned. And he's a straight shooter. He won't always agree with me. I won't always agree with him, but he's a very likable guy. He tries to do the right thing. He tries to pursue objective truth, which is a rarity for journalism today. But these books that he's writing 
are just superb. They're all superb. I have a whole shelf of them. And this book, which I have in my hands now, and I've read three-fourths of it, Three Days at the Brink, FDR's Daring Gamble to Win World War II. I learn a great deal by reading books like this. Mark, where do you get your knowledge? Well, you're not born with it. you got to go get it. And this is a great book, Amazon.com. I know everybody wants to read Ronan Farrow and about uh, all the sex going on on NBC. I don't really get into that. I get into this. Brett Baer. Three Days at the Brink, FDR's Daring Gamble to Win World War II. You can go to my Mark Levin Facebook site, uh, Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. We will link to Amazon, make it very, very easy for you. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. You know, a few things in life can change your entire outlook on the day. Call from your boss asking you to work the weekend. Early construction right outside your bedroom window in the morning you wanted to sleep in. Now, these will ruin your day. How about when your check engine light comes on? They usually mean thousands of dollars in repairs. That's why I have CarShield for our 2010 Camaro. CarShield makes the process of fixing your car for a cover repair super easy. And you can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work. It's your choice. And they also provide 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed for free. And CarShield administrators have paid out, get this, close to $2 billion in claims and they're ready to help you. Don't let your check engine light change your life. Get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection like we did. Call, eight, call 800-CAR-6000. 800-CAR-6000, mention code LEVIN, or visit carshield.com, carshield.com, use code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, you'll save 10% either way. That's carshield.com, code LEVIN, or call 800-CAR-6000, mention code LEVIN, a deductible may apply. Here's something else, something interesting. There are over 2 million burglaries reported every year. Did you know that? That's one in every... 13 seconds. And what's crazy is that only one in five homes have home security. And I think part of the reason for that is most of these companies don't make it very easy to get security. That's why Simply Safe is transforming home security by breaking down those barriers to get you the best, most reliable, and comprehensive protection available anywhere. Simply Safe protects every door, window, and room with 24 7 professional monitoring. Their police dispatch is up to 3.5 times faster because they use video verification. And Simply Safe has no contracts or hidden fees. The system is designed to blend right into your home so it's not even noticed. No wires, no drilling. It's easy to order, easy to set up, usually in under an hour. Plus, prices are always fair and honest. Around the clock monitoring is just 15 bucks a month. Visit simplysafemark.com. To get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. And you've got nothing to lose. Just go right now. Be sure to get simplysafemark.com, simplysafemark.com, so they know I sent you. That's simplysafemark.com. All right. Scott, Salt Lake, Utah, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? I'm good, Mr. Levin. It's an honor to speak with you. Thank you. I'm wondering if the fact that the House won't vote on impeachment, is that proof that they're 
just trying to politicize the process and they're uh, they're power hungry and they're using uh, power to try and get where they want to go and hopefully the American people will figure this out. You have, we have, but hopefully the the broad mass of the American people because the media are obviously uh, carrying water for them. This is no way to uh, begin a process that has as its purpose, not that they'll succeed, to remove a sitting president of the United States, and they'll split this country right down the middle. And that's why you don't conduct yourself the way this speaker and her henchmen are conducting themselves. This is anti-American. Matter of fact, it's un-American. It's a grotesque abuse of power as far as I'm concerned. All right? It's amazing what they're getting away with. And they are getting away with it, and they're not being uh, uh, admonished in the press because the press has been leading this charge from day one. Thank you, Scott, one of our trucker friends. Let's go to another trucker friend. Terry, Sirius Satellite, how are you? You're on, Terry. Did we lose Terry? Yeah, there you go. You're on. Hello. Yeah, go right ahead. Hi, uh, that's Jerry. Uh, hey, Jerry. I'm a longtime listener and a big admirer. Thank you Thank for you. all you do and how hard you work. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, I just wanted to say, the, I think to me the big, big picture here is stall tactics. These people are so incredibly guilty. If, if they had to face the true sunlight, I mean, they, there's no way. I mean, they may face a firing squad. Uh, it, it, it goes up so high and so deep. Uh, I guess when, when Joe Biden made his outrageous statement, one of the first things that hit me was, how in the world was he so comfortable making that statement? He had to feel that there was absolutely no way he would ever be prosecuted or even scrutinized. Well, look, you're right. Because look, look what happens. The press already says, oh, been there, done that. Uh, we don't need to look at that. He's been investigated. All lies. All flat-out lies. Exactly. And when you think of it, from the Russia collusion to this, the impeachment and all of the other minor scandals they've created, it's just to push things off until it disappears, until they gain the presidency back. Well, there's a, you, you make a good point. Now, let me take it a step further. They're trying to handicap Trump and handicap his agenda. That is, kneecap him. Make it more and more difficult for him to succeed. Can you imagine having this burden on your shoulders while you're trying to to be president of the United States with all that comes with that. The Democrats, you know, they used to talk about a honeymoon. The Democrats never gave this man a honeymoon. They just went for his throat right out of the box. And uh, I and everyone who voted for him should resent this tremendously. And I do. Terry, thank you for your call. Let us go to Rick Burlington, Texas, the great WBAP. Go. Mark, good evening. Hey, thanks for your uh, monologue at the top of the hour about LeBron and having Brett on. Best in the business. Um, hey, listen, I'm, I'm just trying to get my head wrapped around the correlation that seems to be running in my mind between what the Democrats are doing now to a grand jury. There's no due process in that, in that engagement. Uh, the prosecutor can bring any witness. Uh, and it's not until the trial that uh, a defendant gets a chance. The, on, to the only problem is it's not a grand jury. And and rather than uh, analogize it to a grand jury, why don't we analogize it to things that actually occurred in impeachments of presidents or attempts? And that is what took place with Andrew Johnson and Richard Nixon and Bill Clinton. A grand jury is secret. This is a public process. We elected the president. 
We didn't elect the person who's in the grand jury. Uh, I hear people say this. There is a pre-trial trial system that they have in the House of Representatives where they bring witnesses, where the other side can bring witnesses, where the president's lawyers are available. As of today, the president and his people have no idea what's taking place in these secret interviews, these secret, secret testimony. And yet the president is the subject of these so-called uh, 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 hearings and, and secret hearings. And the other side should be able to bring people too. The House of Representatives is a separate elected institution from the United States Senate. And it has its process, and the Senate has his process. It's not that you're having a trial in the House. It's that you're having a vetting of the issues, a vetting of the facts, a vetting of the accusations. It's not a grand jury. It makes makes sense, Mark. Thanks for the clarification. I got it. You got it. Thanks for your call, buddy. Appreciate it, Rick. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Stay strong, America, and I will see you tomorrow, same place, same time. Have a wonderful evening. God bless. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.